Well, I want you to go ahead and open up your Bibles this morning to uh, the book of John. And so John chapter 3, uh, we're going to be looking at the person of Nicodemus this morning. And so as we look at that, last week we was in John chapter 2, last several weeks we've been in John chapter 2. So now we have made it to John chapter 3. Remember, we're continuing to follow uh, the footsteps of Jesus. We're continuing to follow the path of Jesus. And so as we do, uh, we're also looking at interaction that, he, uh, that Jesus had uh, with others individuals and so as today we're going to be looking at Nicodemus as the truth seeker and so last week we looked at those who were sign seekers they weren't necessarily truth seekers but they were sign seekers remember they came up to Jesus and as they came up to Jesus uh, Jesus had uh, driven out the money changers from the temple and so they came up to him uh, asking what sign do you give us to demonstrate that you have the authority to do this and so they they weren't really interested in who Jesus was as we continue to look uh, at that chapter we look towards the end of that chapter in uh, verses 23 through 25 we see there uh, that many uh, at least on the surface said that they believed in Jesus but they only believed in Jesus so far as uh, that he was doing the signs that he was doing and Jesus didn't entrust himself to man because he knew the heart of man now immediately following that that lines up right with chapter 3 right here in Nicodemus coming uh, to Jesus because as we look there in chapter 2 the Bible says there in John chapter 2 and verse 23 it says now when he was in Jerusalem so it begins with that uh, kind of uh, uh, bookmark there now that word now now when he was in Jerusalem in the Passover and we continue to go on into verse 24 but Jesus on his part was not entrusting himself to them for he knew the uh, he knew all men and he knew the heart of men so now we come into chapter 3 so how does that tie in to chapter 3 we look at verse 1 there of chapter 3 and it begins uh, with that bookend again that word now now there was a man and so Jesus saying or the Bible saying about Jesus that Jesus did not uh, entrust himself to man because he knew the heart of man and so now immediately following that now there was a man right and so I believe as you look at these these two link perfectly together as Jesus knowing, Jesus genuinely knowing, Jesus truly knowing the heart of a man. You know, sometimes we come to God and we try to make deals with God and say, God, okay, if you do this, I'm going to do that. And we don't realize, you know what, God's not in the business of saying, let's make a deal. God just says, here's the deal, you take it or leave it, amen. And if our heart is genuine towards God, then God is going to bless it. But you know what, if we're just there trying to play games with God, and again, as those we looked at last week, those sign seekers, not really interested in the things of God, but just interested in the benefits of God, not really interested in God himself, just interested in what we can get out of God, amen, then God knows our heart. God knows our heart better than anyone knows our heart. God knows our heart better than we know our heart, amen. Sometimes we ask ourselves this question, uh, you know, maybe you have, I have, what, what in the world did I do that for? Well, God knows you 
may not have a clue what you did that for, what you said that for, but God knows because God knows our heart better than anyone else knows our heart. And so God certainly knew the heart of Nicodemus as Nicodemus was coming to Jesus. I believe that Nicodemus was a genuine truth seeker. He really wanted to know the truth about this man, Jesus. I believe he was absolutely genuine, absolutely sincere about trying to figure out who this man was all about. And so as Jesus, knowing the heart of man, Jesus then started sharing some very deep spiritual truths that we're not going to talk about this morning. We're just going to focus on Nicodemus this morning. But starting next week, we'll begin to talk about some of those deep spiritual truths that Jesus talked about, about being born again as as Jesus shared that uh, with Nicodemus. And so as we look back here in John chapter 3, beginning in verse 1, the Word of God says, Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man, man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher, for no one can do the signs that you do unless God is with him. So as this man comes, again, that linking it back to chapter 2, now there was a man, right? And so this man comes to Jesus, and as he's coming to Jesus, genuinely with, with a pure heart, a genuine heart, not like those sign seekers that we looked at last week, but really genuinely knowing, wanting to know the truth. The Bible gives us then some uh, direct information about this particular person. First of all, the Bible says that he was a Pharisee. Now usually when we look at the Pharisees in the Bible, we usually look at them in a bad light, right? We look at living in a negative light. Jesus didn't have a whole lot of good things to say about the Pharisees. In fact, he had a whole lot of pretty bad things to say about the Pharisees. But obviously, not all of the Pharisees were bad. Not all of the Pharisees were corrupt. The Apostle Paul himself was a Pharisee, and he was zealous after God, right? And so as we see this, I believe in that same spirit and mindset that the Apostle Paul had of of truly wanting to know the truth. I I believe here it is that Nicodemus also had this same mindset of truly being zealous for God, not just going through these ritualistic routines, but genuinely wanting to know, genuinely wanting to seek God more. And in that, he really wanted to know who Jesus was because as we're going to see here in a minute, he genuinely believed that that Jesus was from God. He didn't have it all figured out, didn't understand it all. But if he's from God, I want to know more about him. I want to know why he's here. I want to know what he's up to because if this is from God, I want to be a part of it, right? I want to be involved in this. I don't want to be opposed to him. I want to be following him if he's truly, genuinely a man of God. And so this Pharisee, the Bible tells us, uh, that comes to Jesus. Now when we look at Pharisee, the, the, the word Pharisee, it's actually derived from a Hebrew word, it literally means to be separate, all right? And and so uh, the word Pharisee literally means the separated ones. And so that's who they are. They're the separated ones. And so they're separated from the rest of society because it is their heart and it is their intent to follow the law to the absolute T. And so if you follow the law to the absolute T, you have to be separated from the rest of society. Amen. Now, the reality is they did not follow the law 
to the absolute T. In fact, the Apostle Paul himself confessed that he himself was guilty of sin and it was the law that made him aware of the fact that he was guilty of sin. And so when we come to this, here it is, these Pharisees, these separated ones, they were kind of the spiritual, uh, they were kind of the spiritual special forces, if you will, right? They were the spiritual special forces that they were the spiritual elite within the nation. And so as the spiritual elite within the nation, a lot of people had a great deal of respect towards these Pharisees. Now, it was the scribe's job to interpret the law, but it was the Pharisees' job to make sure to ensure that the law was being followed. And so they would make sure that the rest of the nation, the rest of the Jews, are going to follow the law, right? Not only were they going to follow the law, but they were going to make sure that you followed the law as well. And so they would come along and they would talk to different folks if they thought that they weren't doing things right. And the threat was that they would not be allowed, that the population would not be allowed to go into the temple anymore and do their temple service. And so that was, in their mind, the means of their salvation. So if they were not able to go into the temple anymore as a Jew, that would be absolutely detrimental. Right? And so when we look at this, they were very influential people. They were very important people. And so the Bible gives us his name. It's interesting that he has a Greek name. And so in this Greek name, it literally means conqueror or victor. Right. So here he was. He had a powerful name. This powerful man had a powerful name, a name that you'd expect a general to have or a commanding officer to have of a, being, being a conqueror or a victor in this city. Instead, he was a man of God who had a zeal, obviously, for God uh, within his heart and within his life and wanted to seek out Jesus and wanted to know the truth about Jesus. Now, the Bible continues to go on and give us a description of this man, Nicodemus, and the Bible says that he was a ruler of the Jews. Which is very interesting. Now, when we begin to look at it, as far as Pharisees are concerned, there was estimated about 6,000 Pharisees, right? So there, there was a lot of Pharisees. About 6,000 Pharisees uh, were, were there. And, but when it came to those who were rulers, there was an inner group of rulers that would meet with the high priest. And so you would have 70 Pharisees. And so they gathered together with the high priest, which made them a court of 71 and so as we look at them the Bible you know that they are the Sanhedrin and we see them meeting many times in fact they met with Jesus they put Jesus himself on trial they put Peter and John on trial we see them meeting and convening right here within the Bible they were kind of somewhat of the Jewish Supreme Court if you will right and so they would bring people before them they would put them on trial they would make sure that the Jews as a whole were in order and doing the things that they were supposed to be doing. If there was any insurrection within the Jewish population, they would deal with it and they would make sure that things were being done in a manner that fulfilled the law, right? Because that's what they were there for, to make sure that the law was being fulfilled. And so in doing that, they were uh, then the rulers. And so they had a great deal of authority. 
authority. You think about the authority that our Supreme Court justices have and all of the recent controversies that have been going on about who's going to be a Supreme Court justice because that's extremely important because they do have extremely powerful positions, right? And so when they make decisions, those decisions have impacts for a long, long time. And so when we begin to think about that, here they are as the Jewish men that had great authority. Now, extra biblical uh, references uh, of a man by the name of uh, Nicodemus is mentioned uh, a few times. In fact, in Jewish tradition, in in the Talmud, it is uh, recorded that there was an extremely wealthy man who was one of the wealthiest men in all of Jerusalem and an extremely powerful man who was one of the most powerful men in all of Jerusalem. And his name happened to be Nicodemus. Now, whether that man was the same Nicodemus that is mentioned here in the Bible, we don't know. But because of that description uh, in that extra biblical information that we have of this uh, of that Nicodemus, and looking at this Nicodemus, and we do see later indication uh, here in the Gospels that Nicodemus probably was a pretty wealthy individual. We'll look at that in just a minute. Some people associate him as the rich young ruler. But I don't believe he's the rich young ruler. You find here it is that Nicodemus is coming to Jesus by night. The rich young ruler came to Jesus out in the public. Uh, Nicodemus really didn't even ask a question here, but is seeking the truth of who Jesus is. And we find in chapter uh, 3 and verse 10 that Jesus refers to Nicodemus. He says to him, uh, Jesus answered and said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel and do not understand these things? And so Jesus is saying to Nicodemus you ought to have an understanding of spiritual things but what did that rich young ruler do he came to Jesus and asked him what must I do to inherit eternal life now Nicodemus being a Pharisee being within the inner circle of the 70 being an elite Pharisee and Jesus calling him a teacher of Israel which even exalts him to even a greater uh, standard right there certainly Nicodemus wouldn't have come to Jesus and asked him some uh, a question uh, such as what must I do to inherit eternal life because Nicodemus thought he had all that figured out already he was fixing to find out he didn't but he thought he had all of that figured out already so I don't believe that Nicodemus was the rich or is the rich young ruler I believe they're two individual uh, people two different people but obviously Nicodemus was extraordinarily powerful he was extraordinarily influential and he probably was very wealthy as well but it is interesting that as we look at this it says in verse 2 that this man came to Jesus by night now, as this man came to Jesus by, my, by night, there could be a couple of reasons of why Nicodemus came to Jesus by night. Well, I've, the most obvious reason is he didn't want anybody else to see that he was coming to see Jesus and that he didn't want word to get out. Hey, Nicodemus, who, by the way, is this very powerful, very influential individual, right? And, and so he's coming to see Jesus and word would spread about that like wildfire, right? You know, today, we 
we've got social media and other things just spread. You put anything out there on social media, and whether it's true or not, it's just going to spread like wildfire. But you know what? Uh, gossip from mouth to ear, it spreads like wildfire as well, doesn't it? And so there, they would have said, hey, Nicodemus is coming to see Jesus. And so that word would have spread. And so Nicodemus, for whatever reason, didn't want that word to get out that there he was coming to see Jesus. Now, it could have been for a couple of reasons. Maybe he didn't want other people to perceive that he himself was a follower of Jesus and think that he was a follower of Jesus because the Bible says there in the previous chapter that many began to believe on Jesus because of all of the miracles. Maybe he didn't want to be perceived as being in that crowd just yet. Maybe also since he was one of the 70, he was a ruler of the Jews, he didn't want to give this false notion that he was representing them. And I think that's more likely the case right there. He didn't want them to think that he was representing them. Now, Bible tells us in chapter 1 of the book of John, we find that some of the Jews, they went up to John the Baptist and they flat out asked John the Baptist, right out in the public, right there in the Jordan River while he was baptizing folks, are you the Messiah? And he said, no, I'm not the Messiah. I'm not the Messiah, but one's coming after me. I'm not him. I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals, but one is coming after me. And so they're probably, as they were probably a representation of that 70 going out in a very public way that, hey, we of the Sanhedrin, we of the rulers of, of, of Israel, we want to ask you this very public question. And so as they asked him that, they gave, they gave him an answer that, uh, you know, apparently they liked and they went on about uh, their business. They went on about their way, but it didn't bother them that they said, hey, but one's coming after me. Now, we don't know if Nicodemus was in that number or not, but no doubt the report would have come back to him. The report probably would have come back to all 70 that, hey, John the Baptist said that he's not the one, but one's coming after him. And that might have got the wheels turning to Nicodemus, turning on Nicodemus. He's not the one, but who is this one that's coming after him? And now all of a sudden this Jesus pops up and this Jesus is doing all kinds of phenomenal things. And so as he comes to him by night and, he, and, and he, he addresses him, the Bible says he calls him rabbi. So he's showing respect to him, Right? Here's this very powerful, very influential man that everybody else looks up to, but he is giving respect to Jesus and he calls him rabbi out of a means of respect. He didn't have to call. Jesus wasn't educated. Nic Nicodemus, being a Pharisee, would have been extraordinarily educated. Jesus wasn't trained in the law. Nicodemus, being a Pharisee, would have been extraordinarily tra uh, trained with in the law. So Nicodemus calling Jesus a rabbi would have been a humbling thing on his part, knowing that Jesus himself didn't have any formal training whatsoever, but somehow became this phenomenal teacher where everybody wanted to hear the words that he had to say, but he says, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher. For no one can do the signs that you do unless God is with him. Now, first of all, he says something interesting. He says, we. 
we know that you're from God. Probably right there he was representing the Sanhedrin. Right there, right? We know. We get it. You're from God. We, some of them don't like it. And some of them will never admit it publicly. But we know you're from God. We understand. You can't teach the way you're teaching unless God is with you. And you can't be doing all these signs that you're doing unless God is with you. We know. I believe he was there as an individual truly trying to seek out who Jesus really is. Amen? Trying to seek out who this Jesus really is because, you know, when you come to it, we, 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 we begin to look, we begin to understand that we looked at last week these sign seekers. These sign seekers, they're spiritual sign seekers. And, you know, as long as you give me what I want, I'll follow you, right? As long as you make me uh, happy, healthy, and wealthy, I'm going to follow you. And I'm going to, you know, and as long as I'm seeing all kinds of miraculous things taking place and, you know, all kinds of sparklers and fireworks and all this kind of stuff, and I've got the a great big goose bump on my on the back of my neck. I'm going to follow you. But as soon as all that stuff stops, I'm just going to stray and I'm going to do whatever it is that I want to do because I'm not following my emotion anymore. But you know, there's also some skeptical sign seekers out there as well. Oh, you say God's real? Prove it. Okay. Norman Geiser wrote the book, I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. And I mean, he gives phenomenal evidence within there, Right? We also have a documentary, so I don't believe the book of, uh, of Genesis is real. We have a phenomenal documentary out there. It's called Is Genesis History? Every one of you need to watch that. If you don't like reading? Well, there's a documentary for you to watch. Is Genesis History? And they do a phenomenal job of going through the first few chapters of the book of Genesis and giving evidence after evidence after evidence after evidence. That's why Norm Geisler can write a book and title it, I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. <laughs> Amen? So the evidence is out there. Well, I still don't believe. Because you're not really seeking truth. Amen? You're not really seeking truth. And, and as you begin to think about this and begin to see this, here, here it is, there's folks inside the church and outside the church that qualify as those sign seekers. But friends, when we truly begin to seek the truth, God is going to reveal to us truth. And I believe here it was that Nicodemus, he was genuinely seeking truth. He really wanted to know. He wanted to know the answers to Jesus. Who are you? I know you're from God, but who are you? He really wanted to know the answers to, you know, what are you here for? And what is your purpose? What are you all about? What are you doing? What are you going to do? I believe you're from God. He said that. His words came out of his mouth. He actually said, we believe, but I believe that he was speaking absolutely of himself right here. And if you're of God and I'm truly zealous for the things of God, then I want to be on board with you. Amen? I want to get on board with you. So I need these answers. Now, praise God, today we have every one of these answers within the Word of God. And here it was that Nicodemus, man, he knew the Old Testament better than anybody knew the Old Testament. They had the first five books. Pharisees had the first five books of the Old Testament memorized. Some of us can't even memorize the Ten Commandments. They had all five of those books memorized. Amen? When you begin to think about that. 
And that's phenomenal. I mean, that's no small task. That's a phenomenal thing. When you begin to recognize and understand the knowledge of the Word of God. But Jesus, if you're from God, I want to have knowledge about you. Specifically. I want to know who you are. I want to know what you're about. I want to know what your purpose is. I want to know what your plans are. How is God specifically going to use you? That's why I believe that Nicodemus was just absolutely floored when the very first thing that Jesus started talking about was being born again. And then that just floored Nicodemus. I mean, that just put the, put the brakes on right there, then and there because this highly educated man came up to this non-educated man talking about spiritual things. And Jesus just said something that just went zoop, right? What? What in the world are you talking about? But he truly wanted to know. He truly wanted to understand. And as we look at that conversation between them, he continued to ask Jesus because he wanted to know. He continued to seek because he wanted to understand. He wasn't just going to leave things at the surface level of where they were, and he wasn't just interested in just seeing the signs and the miracles that Jesus was doing, no. He wanted to know the heart of the matter. Amen? Friends, that's where we need to be as Christians, not just see surface level things, but we need to know the meat. We need to know the deep stuff. We need to know the heart of the matter. And the more, the closer we get to the heart of God, the closer we get to God, and the more in love that we get with Him. And I don't believe that this seeking of truth that Nicodemus was doing here in John chapter 3 stopped with this conversation. In fact, as you continue to look through the Gospel of John, you find in John chapter 7, beginning in verse 45, John chapter 7, beginning in verse 45, you, you, you find right here in the Word of God, Many were believing in Jesus. Many were following Jesus. This had the Pharisees all riled up. They didn't know what to do about all of this. And the Bible says there in verse 45, it says, The officers then came to the chief priests and the Pharisees. This would have been the inner circle, the 70. The 71, really, when you count the, the, the chief priests. The chief priests and the Pharisees, and they said to them, uh, why, why did you not bring him? And the officers answered, Never has a man spoken the, uh, the way this man speaks. The Pharisees then answered them, You have not also been led astray, have you? And so you see they're, they're, they're beginning to get a very negative position on Jesus. They're really jealous of Jesus. Jesus is getting all the attention. They're seeking Jesus for answers and not them, and they don't like it. He's being declared as speaking with authority, and they're not, they're, they don't speak... He doesn't speak like everybody else. In other words, like you guys, he speaks with authority. <laughs> Amen? And so they're getting jealous about that. Verse 48 says, uh, No one of the rulers or the Pharisees had believed in him, has he? That's a question he asked. In verse 49 it says, But this crowd uh, which does not know the law is accursed. This is the inner circle. This is the 70 having this conversation. 71 with the high priest, the chief priest. In verse 50 it says, Then Nicodemus spoke up. It says, Nicodemus, he who came to him before being one of them, said to them, 
Our law does not judge a man unless it first hears from him and knows what he is doing, does it? In other words, what are we going to do? how are we going to judge Jesus unless we talk to Jesus, right? So Nicodemus now speaking up for Jesus, and in verse 52 it says, They answered him and said, You're not also from Galilee, are you? Of course he was. That was a slur to him. You're not from Galilee. You're not from the ghetto, are you? Right? Is really what he was saying, what they were saying right there. You know, are, are you one of them? Is what they were saying. Search and see that no prophet arises out of Galilee. This says that everyone went to his home. No further discussion. Nicodemus didn't continue to speak up. Probably didn't mention his conversation that he had with Jesus either. Then in John chapter 12, beginning in verse 42, he continued to go on and, and look at this. In John chapter 12 and verse 42, it says right here, Nevertheless, many, uh, many, even the rulers, those Sanhedrin, many, even the rulers believed in him, but because, the, uh, because of the Pharisees, they were not confessing him. For they loved the approval of man rather than the approval of God. So some of the inner 70, according to the word of God, I believe Nicodemus was one of those were believing in him, but they weren't coming out in public yet because they feared the opinion of man rather than God. Time continued to go on. Things continued to digress. No doubt within the Sanhedrin, eventually they arrested Jesus. They had a false trial of Jesus. They handed Jesus over to the Romans to be executed. Jesus was executed. Jesus was then dying upon the cross. And I believe Nicodemus was there seeing every bit of this. Nicodemus, now a believer in Jesus. Grieved, no doubt, within his heart, this is not right. This is absolute. I should have said something. I should have spoken up. I should have said more, but I didn't. And now Jesus has died. The disciples have ran off. John and the women are pretty much the only one that are, have remained as of the followers of Jesus. Everybody else there mocking him, ridiculing him. You saved others, now save yourself. Nicodemus seeing all of these things. So we come to John chapter 19 and verse 38. And in John chapter 19, verse 38, the word of God says right there, after these things, what were these things that, that, that were after, after his trial, after his crucifixion, while... Jesus was probably still hanging on the cross. After these things, Joseph of Arimathea, uh, being a disciple of Jesus, but a secret one, for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate granted permission, so he came and took away his body. He was a secret believer in Jesus, but now he just did a very public thing. 
He went to Pilate, and he could have done that in secret. Hey, Pilate, don't let anybody else know, but guess what? This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to bury Jesus in my tomb. That would have been very public. That would have been headline news right there. Amen? I'm going to bury him in my tomb. What has been done to Jesus is not right, and I'm about to make a very public statement about it. Very next verse says in verse 39, Nicodemus who had first come to him by night, secretively, privately, didn't want anybody to know about it, also came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pounds of weight. Very costly, very expensive to be used for his burial. Now, Nicodemus, who first came to him at night, is now coming to him very publicly, bringing all of these aloes and myrrh in a very public manner and making a public statement that what was done to Jesus was not right. So it says there in verse 40, And so they took the body of Jesus. Now who's they? The disciples, they ran. They got out of there. John was left, obviously. The women were left. They were there grieving at the foot of the cross. But I believe that Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus were a part of the they. Now, they took the body of Jesus and bound it in linen wrappings with spices, the spices that Nicodemus brought as with the burial custom of the Jews. Now all of a sudden, Joseph of Arimathea, who believed on Jesus but didn't tell anybody about it, now made a very public statement. <laughs> Nicodemus, who had apparently believed on Jesus but in private, now made a very public statement. They risked their reputation. They risked their status. Nicodemus, being a ruler and a teacher, risked his position, risked his wealth. All of it could be taken away from him. But by the way, they're at the foot of a cross of someone who was just crucified by the hand of the Sanhedrin. They risked their lives. But after being a seeker of the truth, he finally came to the conclusion he's worth it. He's worthy. If I lose it all, it doesn't really matter because Jesus Christ truly is worthy. And my life doesn't account for a single thing. Jesus and Jesus alone is worthy. Therefore, I am willing to stand up in a very public manner and it doesn't matter if I lose it all. He's worthy. He and He alone. Because when you seek truth, you know what God's going to do? He's going to show you truth. If you really want to know, genuinely want to know who Jesus is, He's going to let you know. Amen? 
He's going to pull the veil off. He's going to pull that blinder off. And He is going to let you know. And He's going to bring you to that point of understanding that this Jesus truly is not just of God. As we talked about in Sunday school this morning of Peter's confession of Jesus Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And there's no doubt in the innermost part of my being that that is who you are. But again, we have sign seekers in our world today. They're not really interested in the deep truths. They just want feelings. They want emotions. They've got those that say, show me the evidence. We show them the evidence. They still don't believe. Show them more evidence. They still don't believe. Show them even more evidence. They still don't believe. Friends, if you're here today, you don't know that you know that you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Are you here today in need of salvation? Jesus said that anyone who's ashamed of me before men, I'll be ashamed of them before my Father who is in heaven. Maybe you're ashamed to tell this world that you're a Christian. Are you? Are you saved? Do you know that you know that you know that you're genuinely saved? You are. Friend, you'll know he's worthy of living for you. He's even worthy of suffering. Amen? Right now as we all stand, we get our praise team to come on up. First of all, I want to get Jackson to come up here. Jackson, come on up here right now. For those of you who may not know Jackson, it, uh, it's Becky Martin's grandson. Miss Becky brought Jackson over to the house the other day. He had some questions that needed some answer. He was a seeker of some truth, wasn't he? Amen. He wanted to know some things. and He found out some things, and he wanted to know. First of all, he wanted, wanted to know about baptism. Eventually talked to him about baptism. First talked to him about what salvation was all about. Told him how to be saved, what he needed to do, and he did. He accepted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. You know what really impressed me? Amen. What really impressed me about Jackson, I do this with everybody that I lead to the Lord. I always tell them there's three things that every Christian needs to be doing. They need to be praying, they need to be reading their Bible, and they need to be plugged into a church involved with other Christians. And so I said, Jackson, you need to be praying. He said, oh, I'm doing that already. <laughs> he got specific with it too, amen? Then I said, well, you need to be reading your Bible. Oh, I'm doing that already, amen? And 
that let me know he really was seeking the truth and God showed it to him. I'm sorry if I'm embarrassing you up here, but it, this is a, everybody needs to hear this. Amen. That's a good testimony. And I said, well, need to be plugged into church, need to be baptized. And he almost jumped out of his shoes. When? <laughs> I said, this Sunday. He said, okay. So here we are. Amen. Did I tell that right? Anything you need to add or take away? All right. Amen. I'm so excited for Jackson. He's come here today on a public profession of faith, wanting to be baptized uh, here at Mill Creek Baptist Church. All in favor of that, say amen. amen. Any opposed? No. And there are none. And he's going to go on to the back that way to get ready for baptism. Brother Kevin is going to come up here and take my place as I go to the back that way to get ready for baptism. Friend, if you're not saved today, you don't know that you know that you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, would you come down here and take Brother Kevin by the hand and say, hey, Brother Kevin, I need Jesus. Amen. You can say whatever you want to say, but just indicate that you need to get saved. Any other thing you need prayer for, encouragement for, he's standing down here. This altar's open. You come as God so leads.